Uh, good morning, um, uh, Anderson Hills online community. We're um, at the Fellowship Hall today, about five of us here. And I want to share with you just a, a message today that we're uh, part of our exponential series. It's called uh, Right Time and, and Right Place. You ever been at the right time, at the right place? I remember being a college uh, student at a Bible study at my home, and, and in walked a girl that I, I knew because her father was a client of my father, and she had invited her friend to come along with her, and uh, she was this um, cute brunette uh, wearing this uh, pink sweater. i never forget that. Her name was Melinda, and um, boy, I fell in love almost instantly, and a couple weeks later, uh, I invited her out. And then a couple years later, we were married. Wow, talk about being in the right place at the right time. But you know, there were several times in between that it looked like it wasn't going to happen. Uh, she went off to Cleveland to student teach, and I went out of the state um, to go to school. And think of all the things that had to happen for us to become a man and wife. I mean, right time, right place. I remember May the 1st, 1973, and my sister asked me to drive her and a friend to a Bible study. I had been pretty resistant um, to her newfound relationship with Christ. Now, I was pretty sure that this whole Jesus died, Jesus rose again thing was uh, fake news. But for some reason, I said yes. And stranger still, I parked my car and I went into the Bible study the whole time thinking, why in the world am I doing this? Mark, turn around, go back to your car, run. <laughs> but I didn't. I went in, I heard the gospel, and met Jesus, and the whole direction of my life changed in that one moment. Right time, right place. Maybe you've had a similar experience, or maybe there have been times in your life when you've been in the wrong place at the wrong time. The author of Ecclesiastes deals with this. Uh, it's ascribed to uh, King Solomon, and it's, it's thought that this was written uh, at, at a time later on in his life. And he's trying to reconcile faith with all the problems of life that he sees. And, and in chapter 9, if you have your Bibles, you can open them up. And these are the words that he writes. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But time and chance happen to them all. For man also does not know his time. Like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare, so the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. And so the fastest runner doesn't always win the race, and the, and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. And, and those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It's decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. What's Solomon saying here, that life is just the uh, luck of the draw? Napoleon was one of the most brilliant tacticians in the world. He conquered Europe and then set his sight on Russia. And conquering Russia meant that the entire continent would be his. And so in 1812, he assembled uh, an army of over a million soldiers, the largest ever at that time, and crossed into Russia. 
The army went all the way to Moscow without uh, facing a major battle. And that October, Napoleon felt a snowflake land on his head. The Russian winter was coming early. They began their retreat, but six months, three-fourths of Napoleon's army had frozen to death. The most well-trained, best-equipped, ready-to-roll army the world had ever seen up to that point died because of a snowflake. Was it luck that saved Russia? Was Napoleon at the wrong place at the wrong time? Or is the writer of Ecclesiastes talking about providence? I mean, what is providence anyhow? You see, providence is the power and the presence and the wisdom of God working itself out in the details of our lives to reveal his deep love and affection for us. We find in Acts 17, the apostle Paul preaching in the marketplace in Athens. And this is what he says, starting with verse 26. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and and have our being. So what Paul is saying here is that the times and the boundaries in which you and I dwell were set by God for the purposes of God so that we might seek him and, and find him, though he's not far from any of us, so that God is providentially governing your heart and my heart, that there is no chance and there is no luck. And since Adam, Paul says, he says the one man, God has been at work to bring humanity into a relationship with him. Everything is a part of the plan. Now here's what's crazy to think about. There are billions and and trillions of details that that went into you being right where you are at this moment in time and and that God and all of his power handled it all. And, And hear me, it's not hard for God to do that. He never had to say, hey, Jesus, I thought you were on that. Or Holy Spirit, I, I thought you were going to handle that. That never happens. Never happens. God never forgets. God is aware of every event and how every event leads to other events, which creates other events that brings about his purposes and his glory. This is God's power in providence. I mean, think about it. Think of all the events and and all the people that God brought into my life to bring me to faith, and I find it absolutely mind-boggling. And I bet you can look back along your journey and see the hand of God working in so many ways to help you arrive where you are now at this point in your life. M. Night Shyamalan deals with this in a movie he did in 2002 called Signs, one of my favorite movies. Aliens had invaded the earth, and a pastor played by Mel Gibson, who has lost his faith when his wife was killed tragically, and his brother and his two children are contemplating the events they have witnessed. They're wondering if this is the end of the world. 
And his brother asks him a question, whether this is somehow all part of a plan. And this is what he replies. He says, what type of person are you? Do you see signs and miracles? Do you believe someone is watching out for you? Or do you think it's all pure luck and whatever happens, you are on your own? Is it possible there are no coincidences? Folks, I I believe that someone is watching out over me. I believe that absolutely, and, and that someone is God. But I also know that doesn't guarantee me a life that's free from pain and suffering. And neither am I sure that everything that happens to me is God's perfect will. I think sometimes things happen to me because I do something stupid or because somebody else does something stupid or I was simply in the wrong place at the wrong time, what the writer of Ecclesiastes calls chance. But I know people, and maybe you're one of them, who believes that everything happens for a reason You see connections everywhere, and everything connects into this grand and and wonderful plan. And the Bible is full of stories that show people being at the right place in the right time. In the Old Testament, there is a story of Naomi, and, and she and her family go through one tragedy after another. She and her family leave their home because there is a famine. And while they're gone, her husband dies. And and then her two married sons, they die. And so Naomi and her two daughter-in-laws, one named Ruth, they they move back home to Bethlehem. One morning, Ruth goes out to try to gather enough grain left over from the harvesters to provide food to eat for that day. And, and she happens to choose a field that is owned by a relative by the name of Boaz. And long story short, they meet, they fall in love, they marry, they have a son named Obed who has a son named Jesse, who has a son named David who becomes king of Israel. And from his line, comes the Savior of the world. Oh, right time and right place. Or let's go to the New Testament. We find that, that Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray, and they have a chance encounter with a lame beggar, and he asks for money, but they speak healing over his life, and he's healed. Right time, right place. But that's not the end of the story. Soldiers come and they they arrest Peter and John for creating a disturbance and they throw them into jail. Ah, wrong time, wrong place. But that's not the end either. They're brought up on charges. They're released because they can't figure out what to charge them with. They go back. They have a big prayer meeting and the church explodes with growth. And then chapter 6, the book of Acts Stephen is ordained a deacon and begins preaching. God uses him in a powerful way. And and verse 8 says that he was a man full of God's grace and power and performed great wonders and signs among the people. But opposition arises. They bring him up on charges. They find him guilty, and they stun him to death. And then they turn on the church, and a great persecution breaks out in the city of Jerusalem, and, and the Christians begin to run for their lives. Wrong time, wrong place. But as these Christians flee, they begin sharing their faith throughout the region. So there's this great spiritual awakening, and and the church grows like crazy once more. Right time, right place. Isn't it amazing how many things happen as a result of being the right time in the right place? 
And so I find the words of, of Solomon in Ecclesiastes encouraging because, folks, I, I'm not the fastest. I'm, I'm definitely not the strongest. I'm not the wisest, not most educated. But it tells me there's a chance. That's right. I, I need that. I need a chance. When it, and when it comes to eternal things and spiritual things, I, I think we have even much more than just a chance because God is the, is the author of time and space, and, and he's the one who places us in these right times and these right moments. But you may be thinking, yeah, that never happens to me. You might be thinking, yeah, I'm always in the wrong place at the right time at the wrong time. I'm reading right now a biography of Winston Churchill. And almost from his birth, Churchill had this, this sense of destiny that, that he was going to lead Great Britain in a, in, a, in a major way. And as a young man, he, he joined the army and volunteered for dangerous missions in hopes of earning recognition and, and medals. He ran for the House of Commons but was defeated, so he, he went to fight in, in South Africa. He was captured in battle, put in prison, but managed to escape and, and became a hero. He went back home and, and had a sensational rise to, to prominence and leadership. He ran again for the House of Commons and was elected. And throughout his career, he had a, a series of successes, followed by a number of defeats. He was in and, and out of office, and no one trusted him. They thought that his, he was erratic in his judgment and looked like he was failing badly. Until 1940, when Germany and Great Britain went to war, and Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain resigned, and Churchill found himself thrust upon the world scene uh, to, to defend the free world. Churchill believed that all his failures and all of his successes had, in fact, prepared him for this moment in his life. And one of his most famous quotes was, Success is not final. Failure is not defeat. It is the courage to keep going that counts. You see, Churchill was always looking for the right time in the right place. And what about you? Maybe you're wondering the same thing. And maybe one of those key ways that we can find those right place, right time moments is, is by looking for what God is already doing, where he's already working, and then we join him in, in that work. And in John's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, and they're arguing with him about working on the Sabbath. And, and he says this, he says, My father is always working, and so am I. You see, God is always working. He's working all around us. Jesus goes on to say, he says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Do you see where God is working? Jesus says he's working. He's always working. He's working all around us. But when we can see where God is working when we can see where God is moving and when we can see what God is blessing, that's where we need to be. That's the right time in the right place. That's when we can join in, in doing what God is doing by, by using our resources, by sowing our resources at the right time and the right place. And guess what? When we do that, God multiplies it. God does, 
God does the exponential. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Solomon says that he has seen a man all alone who has no family. And he says this, he says, For whom am I toiling, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? And Solomon sees meaningless in this, and he says, Yeah, but two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. And if they fall, one will lift up his companion. In Acts chapter 2, we see the young church, and it's growing, and it's caring for each other. And daily, people are coming to faith in Christ, and they're selling their possessions and, and giving to them to those who are in need. I mean, it's a radical community that, that deeply loves and, and worships together, and they're changing the city of Jerusalem. And then in chapter 6, we read these words. So the word of God spread, and the number of disciples increased rapidly, and a, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The church is, is growing exponentially. Fallen and broken world. She's the New Testament example of, of Solomon's emphasis on the power of community. You see, the church carries the promise of, of peace and, and justice in a world that is filled with oppression. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus fed the hungry. He stood up for the oppressed. And he calls his people, he calls the church to do exactly the same thing. There's a great scene from the movie 42. Branch Rickey is, is looking to put Jackie Robinson in the face. So Branch Rickey calls Herb, the owner of the Philadelphia Phillies, and he says this. He says, Herb, do you think God likes baseball? And of course, the answer is yes, he does. He says, well, one day you're going to meet him. And when he asks you why you forfeited that game to the Dodgers, the fact that you didn't want to play because Jackie Robinson was black, will be viewed as a very inadequate response. And baseball was changed because of that. And that's what the church must do. The church must be a voice for the powerless and the voiceless. The church is a steward of the gospel. And the last thing Jesus told his disciples was, you be my witnesses. And I want you to be my witnesses in Judea and, Jeru and, and, and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And, and they would do that. They would witness with their lips and, and their lives and the world would be changed forever because they preached the gospel. And the gospel, my friends, is redemptive and it's powerful and it changes lives. The Apostle Paul would, would, write late, would write later, the gospel is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first, and to the Greeks. You see, in all honesty, I can't imagine where I would be without Jesus. And I guess that most of you watching today would feel the same way. Now, I'm not the man that I, that I want to be, but because Jesus is changing me and redeeming me, I'm a far better man than I would have been without him. And he's come into our lives, and, and by the power of his church and the, and the presence of the Holy Spirit, he is, he is shaping us, and he is making us to be the people after his own heart. 
And whether it was a parent or whether it was a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or some other individual, somebody one day told you about Jesus. And when they did that, they were functioning as the church, as the hands and as the feet and as the eyes and and the ears of our Lord to extend this gospel message to every man and woman and child. And God has given you and me, the church, this opportunity to extend the gospel message You're wondering, how can I do that? Well, let me tell you, this weekend, Ben Williams is coming back, and he's going to be spending the whole weekend sharing with us how we can share the gospel in a a very natural way and and how to listen to the Holy Spirit as as we talk with others about the gospel message, as we bless them. You You can sign up for that online right now if you want. And men, you have a great opportunity to invite someone to our men's Super Bowl. That's coming up, uh, the Super Bowl breakfast, coming up in just two weeks. Uh, some of us had the opportunity to meet uh, Cedric Pierman. He's a man after God's heart. And you can bring somebody to that and, and give them an opportunity to, to hear what Jesus has to say to them. But what I want all of us to see today is that when we're in the right place at the right time, with the right response, that God does the exponential. And I believe that a spirit-filled church is the answer to the problems of this world when she lives and when she stands for truth and redemption. And I believe that we are here at the right time, at the right place, at the corner of Beachmont Avenue and, and Forest. And I believe that God has plans for this church and that if we are prepared, that God will do the exponential. I want all of us to be ready for this next move of God. And to know right now that you are where God wants you to be. You're at the right time and you're in the right place. And God has given all of us these these gifts and these talents and these skills. And he has put us where we need to be. You are at the right time and the right place. Let's pray. God, thank you that life is not an accident that every moment of our lives, that you're guiding us, that your providence is leading us, that you have a marvelous purpose for our life. And when we begin to align our life with your life, powerful forces are unleashed. And so God, use us. Use us today. Use us this week. Use us this year to do things in an exponential way, in a life-changing way incredible, spirit-filled life. God, hear this, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.